welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 2. Yeah! I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. It's it's chock full of very interesting things happening left and right. It's got some really iconic moments in this episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can from some interesting uh, singing choices to <laughs> some of the most terrifying imagery so far. Yeah, that ending. <laughs> so I'm very excited to talk to you about it. I wanted to start off though by making an announcement. There is mm-hmm. a conference. Uh, Dave, um, it's a Twin Peaks season three conference, online conference that's going on. June 19th through the 20th, it's called In Our House Now, Twin Peaks, The Return, First Online Conference. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it looks really cool. They have like a whole bunch of English speaking presentations, including by like Courtney Stallings, who wrote the Laura book that we have used so much, and and John Thorne, who... uh, uh, he's the co-editor of Wrapped in Plastic and Blue Rose Magazine. But I also think he has a podcast as well. So I can't remember. And <laughs> <laughs> there's like a whole bunch of French presentations as well. And Ooh. I just thought that was really cool. And I thought I'd mention it. You can find the webpage at lynchland.canalblog.com. Wow, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like on the podcast front, I did want to say, you know, our whole recording equipment situation kind of blew up in the last episode (laughs) Uh, luckily we were planning on doing a bunch of zoom ones for the next few episodes and for like most of persuasion but we're working on getting some new equipment and it's very expensive (laughs) because when i got all of our setup stuff i just got like a cheap inclusive package and now i realize a year in and stuff is all breaking that it's like well no wonder it was so cheap (laughs) (laughs) so i just wanted to mention and i got i hate to ask but on our anchor page there is a support button if you wanted to support us financially we would really love it especially considering all these expenses we're about to and our ad just so you know it made a whole 50 (laughs) dollars so you don't make a lot of money from an anchor ad anyway i just thought i'd mention that because i mean personally i'd love to start a patreon i've talked about it a million times but you know i just kind of feel like someone has to express interest in it first (laughs) (laughs) for sure and you know we would appreciate all like any sort of like support that we would get would go to the podcast and any sort of podcast related expenses it wouldn't be just being like oh let's you know personal use or anything crazy so (laughs) you would definitely be supporting something that you love yeah it would all go to podcasting equipment yes (laughs) and we would it would just improve the podcast tenfold if this podcast ever actually made money i would so hire an editor so that we could do more (laughs) podcasts (laughs) yeah yes we have plenty of ideas and we just need the time (laughs) but you know we're happy to do this one because we love it we do (laughs) anyway now that i feel like my cheeks are burning because (laughs) it's very uncomfortable Okay, well, let's do our first impressions. Yes. What's your first impression? Oh, well, I know. I don't know. I I really loved this episode. I can see a lot of like 
iconic Twin Peaks imagery and scenes and stuff coming from this episode. I really like that we open up. I think it's the opening of the episode at breakfast with Cooper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, Albert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just being his normal self, being as, you know, considerate as he can be, which is, you know, he's quickly becoming my favorite character. I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best. But I don't know. I just, it seems like a very sort of like tense, a lot of tense scenes that I really loved. Yeah. That we'll get to. And I don't know. I just, I really loved it. And it seems like we got a little bit of an introduction of like some sort of mysticism or supernatural element. Yeah. Aliens. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of dealing with the repercussions of what happened in the finale of the first season still and setting up like where we're going in the future a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this episode too. Um, (laughs) This one was also directed by David Lynch, right? Yes. So, yeah, and you can definitely tell. <laughs> He's got a stamp <laughs> all over it. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's so many. I don't even, I feel like if I start talking about it, I'm just going to be like this and this and this, but we're going to get to all of it. So, <laughs> but. Yes. Yeah, I love that we're really getting into like Bob because at this point, I was oh, like, gosh. when I watched it the first time, I'm pretty sure I was like, Bob is the killer, but I don't know if he's real. And <laughs> I, you know, I feel like there's got to be another solution out there besides just Bob because he seems obvious. Right. I think I maybe I thought Leo, but, and you know, being a 12 year old, I didn't really know anything about story structure or whatever. But I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought it would be someone we hadn't even met yet. But I mean, looking back, that would probably not be the best way to write a story like we're just gonna bring in someone you've never even met to be the killer at the end but anyway (laughs) i I was doing a lot of speculating (laughs) love the how they upped the scare factor almost like out of nowhere (laughs) oh my god (laughs) even just the the poster of bob is terrifying um (laughs) so i'm i'm glad that we're getting more because after reading the secret diary you know we only got a little bit of Bob in season one. So technically, like, you know, we've not really, it seems like we're getting more and more, which I, I'm like, I want to know more. Yeah. I want to see more. Yeah. Even though it's scary. <laughs> it's definitely scary. I believe this might have been, I can't remember who, maybe Josh, maybe Chelsea. Somebody was telling me that, maybe it was even John Bernardi. I don't know. But like this <laughs> scene of Bob in the end is like. One mm-hmm. of those run out of the room, terrified kind of moments. Yes, I think it was Josh because he talks about that scene. Uh, <laughs> he's, he said it before to me because I think when we saw Bob in season one, which, you know, I, I personally, I find other scenes of Bob a little scarier, but it was right, definitely right, right. very unnerving. I oh, for like sure. <laughs> I was thinking when I watched it just today before we did this, that like I've seen this episode probably a bajillion times. I mean bajillion is not a real number but <laughs> it feels like a bajillion time <laughs> and still this time after i've watched it two or three times over the past few weeks i'm still like ah! <laughs> out loud you know i'm saying by myself exclaiming out yes. loud so it does still have an effect on me <laughs> <laughs> this is a tribute to the the goodness of it for lack of the lasting term. terror like how well it's yes. done you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, well, should we go ahead and get into the notes then? Yes. Yeah, 
right. So we are on episode two of season two. It was directed by David Lynch, like you said, and it was written by Harley Payton. Only, I guess we haven't really gotten any new characters, but some characters that I don't think we really get a lot before we got more of, like Donis Davis as Major Briggs. Oh, I, yeah, Major Briggs. He's he's so good. I, I've really grown to, I mean, somebody, I'm always probably going to be saying this. I love him. I love him. But yes. like, <laughs> he turns into such a great character. Yeah. When well, he is in the first like season. A, yeah, I would say in the first season, he's very much like, oh, he's just a parent. But yeah. season two seems like he's a little more. <laughs> we get a little bit of Victoria Catlin as Blackie. Mm. Dom, oh gosh, hold on. Don Amendalia as Emery. Oh yeah, Batiste. we definitely Emery get Batiste. some of him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to learn about his kinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frances Bay as Mrs. Tremond, who was that old woman with the creamed corn. Yes. The creamed corn problem. <laughs> oh, we did get a new um, character, didn't we? In that scene? Was she in another scene before that? I don't think so. And her grandson. Her grandson, who is Austin Jack Lynch. <laughs> he looks like a little <laughs> tiny Lynch with that suit on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, um, I was looking at some of like, like various trivia about this episode and just things. And I remember when, we, when I watched it, I was like, he looks just like David Lynch. I didn't know David Lynch had a son. And so I was like, this is so weird that they found this kid who looks just like him. And then in the trivia, they were like, yeah, he cast him. And they actually dressed him up to look a lot like David Lynch. So. I remember having that revelation at some point, like after having seen it many times and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, how did I never realize that before? But, <laughs> you know, it took until I got into Lynch before I started to make that connection. <laughs> Not just to right. <laughs> And he does the the style so well for a kid. <laughs> and then we have Frank Silva as Bob. Scary. I was just reading something where he was saying, because he wasn't an actor and he didn't right. like to watch the dailies because he didn't like to see himself like that. He was like, even mm-hmm. seeing myself in the mirror when I was acting the scenes or whatever would be too weird. Because, you know, I'm like going to this other place and seeing myself like that is just too, I don't. He didn't, yeah. he did not like that. Yeah, I think I, I read that he was like, I can't remember if he was like a sound designer or a set designer or something. And I think David Lynch saw him and was like, perfect. Yeah, I think he was in the, uh, the props department. He might have been the prop yeah. master or something. Something like that. And he was like, you have to be in my show now. But he worked um, on the it, back on the Cowboy and the Frenchman too. Remember? Yeah, you're right. You're right, <laughs> right. Gosh. They all follow him. I would do It originally... Hmm? I would too. Oh, sure, I'll do anything you want. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want, I don't care. Um, it originally aired on October 6, nineteen ninety, obviously in the U.S. And it's about half the length of the last episode. It's only forty-five minutes. Yeah. Um, the song "Just You" that was sung by James and Donna and Maddie was written by David Lynch. Um, I had no doubt in my mind. <laughs> After coming across very, many David Lynch songs now, it is like so stereotypical David Lynch song, you know, about love, yes. very few lyrics, <laughs> very 50s <laughs> melody. <laughs> it was very, very David Lynch. It's all about the feeling. Yes. And then uh, I have the Lock Lady intro if you want me to read oh, it. Oh, yes, please. Yes. So starts out as 
As above, so below. The human being finds himself or herself in the middle. There is as much space outside the human proportionately as inside. Stars, moons, and planets remind us of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Is there a bigger being walking with all the stars within? Does our thinking affect what goes on outside us and what goes on inside us? I think it does. Where does creamed corn figure into the workings of the universe? <laughs> what really is creamed corn? Is it a symbol for something else? It's gross. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love creamed corn. <laughs> I never liked green corn. I don't know why. Everyone else in my family liked it. But there's something about the sweetness of corn. <laughs> oh, is it too, you're like not a big fan of sweet vegetables? Yeah. I'm not a big fan I of sweet them. vegetables. Unless they're done savory style. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet vegetables, savory style. Like sweet potato fries or something. (laughs) Yes. I love sweet potato fries. I think that's all I had for that. uh, What you were talking about, the log lady intro about the space Mm -hmm. and everything. I was like, didn't I? I can't remember. Did I just talk on the last Twin Peaks episode about how it made me think about space and how we're all made up of space <laughs> because I feel like I remember saying that to you, I so. but I don't know if it was all the episode or not. <laughs> I think so. It was something I was probably, you know, when we were talking about the other log with the intro, cause maybe <laughs> I have, uh, I don't know. I haven't really looked at them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of lead into each other and play yeah. off of each other and you know, <laughs> it's all connected. Oh, and um, yes, it's definitely ABC that originally aired on. But it is very confusing because the DVDs, the Netflix, I'll say CBS because they bought them. Showtime is owned by CBS. I don't know when the buying happened, but obviously before at least the latest DVD set. (laughs) Interesting that it was on ABC. Yeah, it was on ABC. Just so you're not yelling at us, I think we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, should we start on the recap then? Yes. Oh, right. It's called Coma. <laughs> <laughs> then it has a short, short credits this time. Okay, so we start. It's morning at the Great Northern. Cooper is eating breakfast with Albert, and there is a barbershop quartet behind them that are all humming and smoking cigarettes <laughs> while standing around <laughs> the table. <laughs> it was like not very, uh, not taking good care of our voices, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's just so funny because you don't really realize what's happening until they zoom out and then you see them and they're all just standing there smoking. And it's like, okay, I thought you guys were like performing, but no, you're just humming with your early morning smoke in the breakfast room. I was okay. like browsing the room. <laughs> so Ronette is awake, but she's not talking yet. Cooper is planning on showing her a picture of Bob. And I said, Albert makes a joke, but I didn't say what the joke was. <laughs> oh gosh, he makes... <laughs> A couple of, I guess he makes a couple of what he would call jokes, but they're definitely insults. Yeah, insults. About the people around him. (laughs) But yeah, he tells (laughs) the results of the autopsy, I guess, on Jacques. Yes. He also says says that he suspects Leo burned the mill. And Cooper just wants to know who shot him. But Albert has no leads yet. He also calls the old man Senior Drool Cup which is a name that has stuck <laughs> with the fan community as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cooper shows Albert that his ring is gone. 
What does it mean? <laughs> I think Albert is nonplussed by that. <laughs> but he didn't just come back for all this. He also came back because of Wyndham Earl. Dun, dun, dun. Who is that? <laughs> he's a former FBI agent, and Cooper thinks that he's retired. But Albert tells him that he was locked up in a secure mental facility, but has escaped, which is not oh good. I'm like, how do you... I actually wrote, how does Cooper not know this? <laughs> he still thinks he's <laughs> in the FBI. He doesn't know he was put in a, a mental facility. And I mean, <laughs> that seems... Yeah. He's his former partner. Yeah, I wonder if it's or like... I, maybe we don't know that. Did he say he was his former partner or just yes. former? Okay. He said, I think he says, I don't know if Albert, Albert may say something at the dinner, at the breakfast, but I know later to Diane, he says it Oh, okay. on the quarter, but I wonder if it's maybe like not to like deter him from his current case or if maybe he, his partner knows something that he is not supposed to know. I don't know. Yeah. But I, the name Wyndham Earl, I kept hearing it as, because we were such like in a Jane Austen sense for a while, I was like, <laughs> Earl of Wyndham. <laughs> Is what I kept hearing it as. We have to write a mashup with that someday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Earl, of Earl of Wyndham. <laughs> That's so funny. On the other side of the dining room, the Asian man from the last episode who was looking for Josie is watching Cooper behind his newspaper. Dun, dun. Nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we see Donna making a meal delivery for the Meals on Wheels. Mrs. Tremon is her first stop, or I, the one we see. Right. With a little boy, Austin Lynch. <laughs> Although this time I was thinking, he also kind of reminds me of Leland because of the fact that Leland was wearing a tux at dinner in the last scene, and he has similar That's hair true. to David Lynch. But okay, so yeah, they tell she tells her to enter. <laughs> but she does not <laughs> seem well. She's doing a lot of coughing. The boy says... Some things can happen just like this. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. Mrs. Tremont is concerned with the cream corn on the plate. She requested no creamed corn. <laughs> and then it disappears. It appears in the grandson's hands. Gross. He's studying magic. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, what kind of magic? Real magic. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like some black magic. Not for me. Uh, Donna asks her if she knew Laura well, and she says no. And she complains that they used to bring her hospital food. And after we saw the hospital food in the last time, <laughs> I'm glad that practice ended. <laughs> I was going to say, that would be deemed inhumane. Exactly. And <laughs> it would be arrested. Gross. Norma's food looks excellent. I was very... Um, it does. I was like, I want that. <laughs> Where's the it pie? looks very um <laughs> it looks very Thanksgiving-y, like very homey. Yeah, very homey. Oh, uh Mrs. Tremont recommends that she ask Mr. Smith next door, because he was Laura's friend. And the grandson says, Je un homme solitaire. And which I think means he's solitary, <laughs> but he doesn't leave mm -hmm. his house, basically. So Donna goes next door and knocks. The Tremans remark that she seemed like a very nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very... Uh, we haven't really got... They do appear more in the series, so... I'm, oh, okay. I'm interested to someday like get into what we think is their deal, because I don't think I ever figured it out. 
<laughs> there is a deal, definitely. There's some deal, though. Creep, creep, creep. Donna leaves a note for Mr. Smith under the door. At the hospital, Cooper and Harry go to visit Ronette. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> David Lynch scene. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Cooper is clearly still in pain. Like, he kind of looks like he broke a rib because he's kind of moving like, yeah. I can't move like that. And the, him and Harry try to adjust the stools, which is just <laughs> so funny and long, and it's very loud. <laughs> and they keep going, sorry, Ronit, yes. sorry, Ronit. <laughs> <laughs> I did think w- during this scene, I was like, I wonder if this was like planned or if they really could not figure out these stools and just <laughs> improvise the whole time. <laughs> I feel like probably it was a little bit of both. <laughs> probably, probably someone couldn't figure out the stools, and David Lynch was like, oh, we're we're keeping that yeah. <laughs> y'all are gonna have to figure it out too oh run does seem to be able to hear them they show her some sketches first they show her leo and she kind of is like no and i just want to point out that sketch barely looks like leo and it seems yes. like why couldn't you just use a photo yeah i would say we have a photo <laughs> of leo he's in the hospital <laughs> but you know there are a couple of those con- or weird moments this episode where i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> we weren't paying that close of attention, were we? Anyway, that that's not that. But I just thought that was funny. <laughs> okay, then they show her the picture of Bob, and she reacts violently and starts saying train over and over and over. Kind of knocks out the light, even. <laughs> and then we see the Horn brothers. Ben and Jerry have two ledgers and one smoked cheese pig. <laughs> Which do they burn? <laughs> Not the pig. (laughs) (laughs) Smart choice, because I want to eat that pig. Me too. I was like, "Mm, I wonder if that's Saguda. I love the cheddar. One of my favorites. They kind of work out the logic of which one would be the best one to burn, but they still can't decide. And they decide to roast marshmallows instead. Break out the hickory sticks. (laughs) (laughs) At the double R, Andy is covered with tape. And posting a wanted sign of Bob. <laughs> you just hear like... <laughs> for like <laughs> three minutes. Briggs is there and he's kind of watching Andy. And then <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, aka Log Lady, comes in and sits next to Briggs. Norma asks her not to spit her gum on the counter like she did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> She's very nice yeah, about it. <laughs> But it's firm. She doesn't necessarily, like, look like she's sorry, nor that she's going to stop, (laughs) which I thought was funny. (laughs) At first I thought she swallowed the gum, and I was like, don't swallow a pitch gum. (laughs) (laughs) She was just like, all right. (laughs) She gives me a look like, how dare you reprimand my pitch gumming? She's got chewing disposal. (laughs) But Norma just does it with a smile, but she's like, don't spit your Sticky pitch gum on my booth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what? I also noticed we haven't had any invitation to love in the past two episodes. We haven't. I think that also kind of goes away. I don't know if it's gone forever, but yeah, I was a little bit sad we didn't get any. (laughs) Just random aside. (laughs) I do love that. Like, is this the first show to do that? Um, That you know of, at least? I'm not a TV expert by any means, but <laughs> it's the only one, I, the first one I ever saw that did it. 
Yeah, well, because I they do it in the the HBO show Insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, every season they have like a new um, like TV show in the background, and it's played by like the actors on the TV show are played by like really famous actors, and it's all it's always really funny. But it this made the when we started rewatching Twin Peaks, it just kind of brought me, it like reminded me of that. And I was like, I wonder if they got it from Twin Peaks or if there was something else they got it from. But right. I was just thinking about that. It's interesting. <laughs> well, I don't know. I really don't know. Tell us if you know if this kind of convention existed before Twin Peaks. Uh, okay. Even though we haven't had it yet this season. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, um, okay. So we're at the double R. Uh, oh, yeah. So... Margaret comments on Briggs's medals and she says her log has something to tell him. They have not been introduced prior to this and (laughs) he cannot hear it. But Margaret translates for him and she says, deliver the message. And he understands what she means. It's very cryptic (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Yes. Well, what's so crazy is that at first you're kind of like thinking that, oh, like, Everyone knows she is the log lady and he's kind of just playing into her log ladiness. But then after she like is like delivered the message and he's completely like, I understand. Yeah. It's just weird. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So he's, he, he's aware. He doesn't really seem to like think she's funny or like doubt her. He kind of seems right. like to go along with it and be like, sure. No, I can't hear your log, but he doesn't like seem to be. I don't know, judgmental about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Okay, so then we go back to the sheriff's department. Lucy is distracted by a fly. (laughs) Andy is pacing around outside. He comes in still with tape on his head. (laughs) And he tells Lucy to listen. (laughs) He found out that he was sterile. And now he wants to know how Lucy is pregnant. (laughs) and then she rips the tape from his head and slams the window shut and i was thinking i mean do you not even think for one second hey maybe i'm not as sterile as i thought he just automatically thinks that she must be sleeping with someone else well remember he went to the sperm bank well i i know but like my first thought probably would be whoa i'm working again (laughs) 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 but i mean I just thought maybe Andy would be more apt to be trusting of Lucy, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if you, did you notice that the fly in the, in her office was like matching Andy's energy outside? Like if he was pacing, the fly was flying around. Yeah. When he stopped, it stopped. It was funny. <laughs> Cause then she kills it and then he comes in. <laughs> I like the way she's like, <laughs> when it finally stops. <laughs> so Hank is in Truman's office. He has to sign in as part of his parole. And he's clearly not taking it very seriously. He's very like, jokester, jokester. And Harry is annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) As am I. (laughs) Yeah. Cooper, using his deductive reasoning, knows they used to be friends. And Harry tells him that Hank used to be a bookhouse boy. And then (laughs) Lucy puts Ben Horn on the line. I like Ben's expression during that, too, where he's like, oh, this is what you do when you call the police office. You always have to wait for Lucy. <laughs> but he's calling in to report that Audrey has been missing for as much as two days. And Cooper looks more concerned than he does. 
Well, it's also been two days and you're just now reporting it. Seriously. <laughs> We've not seen him worried about it in like any other scene. There was maybe one scene yeah. where he wondered if she was missing. But other than that. <laughs> yeah, he's probably calling now because his wife is probably like, I haven't seen her in a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't been to school. <sighs> okay, then Jerry comes in with the unsigned insurance policy. If we remember back from season one. Mm-hmm. And Jerry thinks that it's probably for the best considering her fate because it would have been really suspicious. <laughs> right. It had gone through and named Josie as the beneficiary. And they call Iceland just as Leland comes in suggesting they call Iceland. <laughs> Unfortunately, he had already called them to tell them about the fire, which really annoys Ben. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like trying to calm the investors as Leland sees the wanted poster on the table. And he says that he knows him. He lived next door to his grandfather's summer house. Finally, someone knows this person. I know. Leo. Oh, back at the hospital. Leo had a bullet in his spine, basically. Jesus. He may be paralyzed. He's not in pain, but it's hard to say if he'll ever wake up. If he doesn't wake up, he will be in a kind, or Shelly's like, well, I guess he's in a kind of prison anyway if he doesn't wake up. And Shelly tearily leaves as we see Leo's eyes kind of seem Squint. like they're opening. <laughs> yeah, very squinty open. And I was like, oh, he's awake. <laughs> <laughs> then this is an, an interesting scene. I don't know what this relates to until we get to what it, <laughs> but just my brain doesn't remember. But Lucy's answering the phone, and the caller will not oh, give gosh. their name, so she refuses to connect them <laughs> and hangs up on them. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hang up right now. <laughs> really sorry, but if you don't tell me who you are, I can't. I was oh, wondering, that was so creepy. Would you want to get that call if you were the sheriff? I mean, it feels like you kind of got to take all the calls, but... I feel like I would just because in case they, like, it gives any like clues or hints as to like the case or anything. Exactly. Never know. I'd be like Lucy, transfer all calls. Maybe there's a bunch of maybe there are like crazy Twin Peaks town people. You know, there's always those people who will call in with tips when they're just they have you know they're not real, just false tips and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. Maybe there's some of those guess, in Twin Peaks. I guess they don't believe in anonymous tip lines. <laughs> There's no Twin Peaks anonymous tips. Maybe that there's a separate line, not the sheriff's office for that. Anyway, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> okay, so then we go to One-Eyed Jacks. Emery is tied up. His nails are painted, his toenails. And Audrey intercepts a girl and brings in a bucket of ice. There's another girl there vacuuming, <laughs> and Audrey gets her to leave. Even though she does not want to. So Audrey gets her to leave. Then she takes the vacuum cord and puts it around his neck and threatens him. She wants to know what he knows. She's Audrey Horton. She gets what she wants. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Laura. Yeah. And he admits Ben owns it all. He owns everything. Laura was there for one weekend and Ben did know she was there. And Laura probably knew that Ben owned it because she always got her way just like Audrey. (laughs) (laughs) What I was curious as is like the girl who she got the ice from was like, be careful with that one. (laughs) 
and and like the other girl vacuuming didn't want to leave so like I was assuming that we were going to see someone like dangerous but he doesn't seem very threatening (laughs) he doesn't seem dangerous at all but he is like high up there in the food chain but maybe they were just like because he's got so many kinks I mean he's clearly got quite a few he's got ice he's got vacuum cleaners tied up nails painted <laughs> blindfolded it's like what yeah. What exactly are you into Emery? But... <laughs> what's the what's the ledger look like <laughs> so maybe there's more stuff that we don't know about he's into True. okay so then we see bobby and shelly sitting in the car listening to cool music and grooving to the radio <laughs> bobby wants them to keep leo out of jail and take his disability money they only get it if he's at home and he thinks that leo owes them and shelly is kind of like i do not want him home i don't care about the money but then he manages to convince her i guess like five thousand a month which i'm sure it's a lot of money shelly and bobby would be amazing i mean that is a lot of money but especially in the 90s oh yeah but then you're also taking care of an invalid but they're not really thinking that far ahead i don't think no they're still you know teenagers yeah so then we go to Cooper's room. He's talking to Diane and telling her about Wyndham Earl. We see the note from Audrey under the bed. I think it's because he's been shot and he can't lean over that he hasn't found it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's right there by his feet. I know. Cooper is worried about Audrey and he says he finds himself missing her smile. Oh. So uh, Major Briggs knocks on the door. He has a message for Coop. He can't reveal the nature of his work, and Cooper understands that. He says that what he can say is that he helps maintain deep space monitors. I was like, wow, you have the coolest shop. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's crazy. They get space info gibberish, you know, just like lines and lines of it, until the time that Cooper was shot. And then suddenly it said, the owls are not what they seem. Excuse me. (laughs) And the reason he brought this to him, because later in the morning was the word Cooper several times. (laughs) We need some, we need a sound effects board because (laughs) (laughs) creepy alien music. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. I don't like that. Imagine being Cooper and getting that information. (laughs) I know, but it would be like, well, I mean, I feel like Cooper is kind of like in the zone for this kind of thing. And he just got told That's the owls true. are not what they seem by the giant. Like That's the day true. He's before. had a couple things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we go to Donna's house <laughs> <laughs> where James's bike is parked on the sidewalk. I would like to point out <laughs> <laughs> James, Donna and Maddie are practicing the iconic just you and I. This is such a David Lynch song. (laughs) Very David Lynch. He sings in a warbly falsetto and... Crazy. They're together forever in love. The girls are his backup singers and they're kind of singing harmony. And at a certain point, a bass and drum come in. And James is not at all playing the guitar part at all. Not even close he's strumming it's not strum i mean not even close (laughs) it's such a weird pastime but it seems like a very hayward household type of thing to do (laughs) oh yeah very 
you know, everyone's going to sing. Well, I mean, we just had a concert last night, so obviously <laughs> they love it. That's they, right. It's probably Donna's mics they have. <laughs> probably. Or her sister's. <laughs> okay, so Donna and James are making eye contact, and then Maddie looks at James, and he looks at her, and then Donna looks at them both looking at each other and runs off in tears. James follows her, and she kisses him desperately, and Maddie is sad and alone. <laughs> <laughs> very this is like the soapiest part of the episode <laughs> definitely there should have been invitation to love before this scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> dad calls down because a harold smith is calling so she talks to him they plan to meet and that's when maddie alone in the other room sees a vision of bob coming through the room climbing over the couch towards her Ugh. right into the camera and she screams and freaks out. Very scary moment. Yes. And I don't know why, but in my head, I, for some reason, always thought of this as being in Laura's house. But it's definitely in Donna's I house. I think it's... <laughs> the carpets are both like that 90s pink carpet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's... Their houses are sort of similar-ish in the living room. I can see it. The furniture is very like the floral couches. Yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a similar something that happens at Laura's house at some point. I don't know. But I was like, wait a minute. This is Donna's house. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper, we see, asleep again. The giant, well, I think this is all a dream. I don't know. Because at first I thought the giant was back. But I think it's all part of this dream he's having. Yeah. He also sees images of Ronette and out-of-focus Bob walking. The giant and Briggs saying the owls are not what they seem. Bob's face turns into an owl. Gross. We see Sarah running down the stairs, and then Bob comes into focus laughing, which is a really creepy image. And then the phone rings, waking Cooper up. And it's Audrey. And she says that she's in trouble, but wants to come home now. And then Blackie hangs up the phone on her. And she says, you don't know what kind of trouble you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, Audrey. I, that scene when I was looking at her, I was like, how did Audrey not become the biggest star in the universe? Because she is the most gorgeous person I've ever seen. <laughs> she is. And she's very much like, she plays that sort of like, like, you know, damsel in distress. Yeah, she's really good too. Type. She's very good. And uh, she's, I love her so much. Yeah. But I was screaming at my TV, like, why didn't you just say where you were? <laughs> I know. She's got to play games. It's Audrey, but you know. <sighs> I hope Cooper finds out letters soon. <laughs> but that's the end of the episode. Ugh, crazy. Da, da, da. What's your favorite part? <laughs> oh my God, there's so many. I know, um, gosh. I, I'm going to have several favorite parts, I'm sure. So tell me all of yours. <laughs> <laughs> as scary as it was, I did sort of like the Bob scene of him crawling over the couch. Oh, yeah. Just because it's so... It, like, really sticks in your mind. Yeah. And it's, like, the weird, like, juxtaposition of Maddie being the person who's seeing it. It's almost, like, as if we're seeing Laura go through it. Yes. So, yuck. (laughs) Um, But what else? What else? What else? I did like the the fly scene with uh, Lucy. (laughs) It was funny. Um, And I I think my favorite favorite was the Log Lady and Major Briggs. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's a great one. I would say my favorites, they're going to be all the weirdest little bits, but like, <laughs> I love the Tremons. 
that yes, whole scene that was with good. Donna. I love Ben and Jerry eating the smoked pig. I don't know why. <laughs> I just love all of Jerry's weird food stuff. They all look so He's delicious. He's a weirdo. I think they're mostly cheese-based, which is probably why I think they all look so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and something else. I mean, of course, just you and I, even though mm-hmm. it is, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also like so <laughs> endearing in its own way. And just like the drama of the, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, she's looking at us. <laughs> it's just it so played fun. into that soapiness really well. Yeah. And I'm worried about Audrey. I know. <laughs> the cliffhanger for Audrey, I can't handle it. We'll see what happens in the next episode. Although we're not getting to it for a while recording-wise, just because we're going so out of order right now. But right, I can't wait to talk about that I one. Know, it, it's <laughs> almost like a weird little, like, perfect cliffhanger. Like, almost like a weird mid-season finale, but we're on the second episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it'll be good. It's a good spot to take a break. Yeah, it is. Even though y'all won't be taking a break, because it'll just yeah. be... <laughs> Persuade. It'll be every other week, like Persuasion Twin Peaks, Persuasion Twin Peaks. Yeah, this is a personal break for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are taking a few months off, but or not a few, a couple months off. But we are going to have everything recorded. Yes. get into the deep dive okay so again i'm getting um, most of my deep dive stuff from that twin peaks unwrapped book because it's so perfectly laid out i just can't not it's like it's so easy it's right there (laughs) (laughs) episode by episode um but the log line for this episode margaret lanterman aka the log lady tells major briggs deliver the message which she does cooper 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 I don't like it. <laughs> no. What does it mean? Uh, the aliens are talking to him. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if they're aliens or like, you know, interdimensional beings. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> they're both scary. So also, uh, there was a little interview with Harley Payton. And he said that there were, were there was no writer's room for Twin Peaks. Mark and David kind of wrote the outlines and then... He and Bob Ingalls both had offices like down the hall from them, but all the other writers that they had on at any given time were all freelance. And he said that was very rare for a writer's for like how a show would get written. Interesting. And then there was an interview with Tony Krantz, who was the agent of both Lynch and Frost. And he recalled that the rise of Twin Peaks really elevated David Lynch and it kind of pushed Mark Frost to the side like, it more elevated David Lynch than Mark Frost. And mm-hmm. and he, of course, was doing a ton of the work. <laughs> and so this caused like a fracture in their relationship. And he said that after the first season of the show got like 15 Emmy nominations or whatever, the guys were barely talking. Ugh, that's yeah. terrible. I know. But, you know, I think I don't. I know David Lynch was planning on being more into the second season, but I think he did end up doing other projects and not being as mm-hmm. into it. But then his he's actually an actor on the show quite a bit in the second season. Right. Anyway, it's, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll learn more as we go on. 
Also, at this time, after this episode, there was a 1-900 phone line that launched. And you could call and Lucy and Andy would banter and catch you up on the week's previous episode. <laughs> and then a mysterious stranger would break into the call. And it was like a pro- oh. it was like $3 to call, basically. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That would have been so cool. I'm sure I, my mom was a big, you will never call a 1-900 number. Because I, <laughs> I did once for a, <laughs> a hit line for a computer game. And it was like, don't you ever call a 1-900 number again. <laughs> I wish shows still did like kitschy stuff like that. I think some shows will do like some sort of like website or like online, but it's never as like fun or silly or no, you know, intricate as these other ones were. Yeah. They're like, we don't need to do this weird creative marketing. People will watch it without it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but it's fun. Yeah. Just do it for me. But the person we're doing the the sorting of today is Andy Brennan. Woo, Andy. (laughs) According to the Twin Peaks trading cards, he was born on February 27th, 1960, which would make him a Pisces. Pisces traits are creative, empathetic, generous, overly emotional, impressionable, but closed off. Now, I looked up several, because there's a lot of people out there who have, will say, you're assigned as a Twin Peaks character or whatever. And they all say that Andy is a cancer. <laughs> so I thought I'd read that description as well. Andy, poor underrated Andy. <laughs> Our introduction to this character is when Pete finds Laura's corpse along the bank of the river and calls the police to investigate and figure out who it is. Andy, upon seeing the corpse and recognizing her, that just sounds weird to say corpse out loud so many times, begins to bawl his <laughs> eyes out, struggling to even snap a good picture of the dead girl, not corpse, because of how overcome with emotion he is. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just sounded like I was saying corpse a lot. I was like, that is corpse, kind corpse, of corpse. weird. Anyway. Okay, he goes to take five and gets coffee for everyone. This outpouring of emotion is definitely a big cancer trait. And although he might come off as a little airheaded occasionally, he's a great guy. There's also, you might, you might just be the most kind-hearted person in town. Because I got, there were two that classified him as cancer. So everyone knows you to be loving, trusting, and faithful. Your deep emotions are what make you so special. But try not to let them overpower you. Bursting into tears at a crime scene when you're a deputy, for instance, is not a good look. (laughs) (laughs) And then I found another person who just did Sun Moon Rising. They didn't write any description or anything. And they classified him as Aquarius Pisces Cancer. So I think Pisces and Cancer are definitely (laughs) in there. Yes. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't really have a preference either way. What would you say? The differences between um, Cancer and Pisces, Cancer is fixed. And mm-hmm. Pisces is mutable. I don't know. I, um, when I think of Pisces, I think of people who are, I would say, non-restrictive with their emotions, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, so I feel like that Pisces to me is, is, is speaking more for Andy. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't seem to be like a person who hides his emotion. He seems very much like he wears well, everything. That's, I think, why they were going more with cancer, because Pisces... I think because they're so emotional, it can be very closed off. And also Cancer is more like the mother of the Zodiac. So I think it has like a little more stability okay. than a Pisces. Maybe but, Cancer. You know. <laughs> cancer is what I meant. Definitely a water sign. 
Yeah. Okay, and then... Okay, so then for D&D, this is before yes. I've started recently, This, but I did this before I started that. I found a quiz that's like, what is your alignment? And so I've been answering them <laughs> for the characters. It's very funny with uh-huh. persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> but this one I did before that, and I classified him as neutral good or lawful good. Yeah, I was going to say lawful good. Just because, obviously, being a police... Well, you know, not obviously, but he seems to be very lawful in the sense of, like, following rules and everything. He is and a then, police officer. <laughs> huh? He is a police officer. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they don't, but he, he is definitely one who sticks to the books. Yeah. And I would say not, you know, not considering any sort of end results or result and the consequences of his actions his intentions are always like good and like for the good of everyone yeah so i would say lawful good is a really good one i agree i think the only um negative characteristic about lawful good is that they sometimes can be more for like the law and like you have like Mm -hmm. you know and not so much the specific circumstances yeah Like, not acknowledging, like, complexity. But, I mean, it's hard to say. I think Andy would just go by the law and, you know, (laughs) feel bad about it later. So. Probably. Let's go with lawful good, for sure. Have we had a lawful good character yet? (laughs) I I don't believe we have. I don't think so, because. (laughs) Huh? I mean, obviously, Hank, or not, I always say Hank. Harry, who we classified (laughs) in the first time, would have probably been a lawful good as well, I would think. I would, I don't know. We might have said lawful good, but now that I'm thinking about it. We didn't uh, say anything because we didn't do this kind of classification when we. Oh, uh, I would say he's more neutral good because of like the book house boys. And that's a good point. Because he kind of has like this, I wouldn't say it's a vigilante group, but like, you know, <laughs> I don't necessarily know if it's very lawful for him to have these like independent right. group trying to figure stuff out. So. I would say he's more of a neutral good because I feel like he understands the complexities of situations. Yeah. So Andy might be our first lawful good. (laughs) How perfect. Yes. (laughs) Final thoughts. It was a crazy episode. (laughs) I feel like so much happened and it went by so fast that I do want to rewatch it at some point just to be like, Remember this for later. Remember this for later. <laughs> but I'm really excited to see all the Major Briggs stuff start to come out and yeah. see him take a more integral part in the show. And the Log Lady too, obviously. But I'm interested to see how Audrey gets out of her situation. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I really enjoy that we're really starting to get into like the weird metaphysical, the owls, Bob, and it's an owl. They're not what they seem. And like... Yes. It's really starting to flesh itself out. We're getting more weird characters like the Tremons and Yeah. I that's the kind of stuff that just makes me want more Twin Peaks because as much as I appreciate like the story of Laura Palmer and her death and everything, mm-hmm. that's not really the kind of story that I gravitate towards in general just yeah. because it's too depressing <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> so i like the whole metaphysical stuff i like being able to think about it and in a way i think 
it kind of allows you to distance yourself from the story so that you can think about everything without having to get sucked into all that like trauma that's going on (laughs) with the characters when you identify too closely. So I definitely really like all this stuff, Um, even though, you know, it's all weird stuff that I still don't know what any of it means. (laughs) I still love it. It's my favorite. (laughs) You do not have to explain yourself to me (laughs) when it comes to art. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think this is also art that is not very easily explainable and probably is not very explainable in very simple terms so yeah it is i think this stuff really elevates the show and that's what brings it to that next level and makes it so culty and cool yeah. so i'm excited for it yeah I'm, I'm really excited to get into it more yeah i can't wait too. <laughs> this whole section is gonna be great let's go to recommendations yes do you have one? I do. I've been making a list because I know we're going to need a lot. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I need to start doing that. I think I'm going to go ahead and recommend The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ooh. Because it's almost over as of recording. There's only a couple more episodes. So by the time this comes out, it will probably be done. So I don't want to wait too long to get this recommendation out there. But right the last episode that i saw episode four oh my god i screamed (laughs) (laughs) it was so good i love this show i i I mean you call me a marvel shill or whatever you want to call me but i love (laughs) marvel and they just prove themselves over and over and they're not gonna let you down (laughs) so i have no fear of recommending it even though i haven't seen the last two episodes Mm -hmm. so I mean, obviously, I was recommending WandaVision every week, or somebody was. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so good, and it's, I really like those two characters a lot. Yes. Um, And I'm glad they put them together in a single single show, but the way it's, like, it's just, like, so well, like, filmed and everything, it it feels like we're watching a six-hour movie. Yeah, it does. Like, it's, it's just, it's so much fun, and there's really fun villains, like, the things that they're proposing, the ideas and stuff. So I'm really enjoying it too. And I can't wait till we talk about the episode together. Oh my gosh, I know. I didn't even see it this weekend. So rare that we don't see each other. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, if we do see each other this weekend, we'll have, we will, we'll have two episodes to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And this one is the one with the cameo. So I'm really excited to see who that's going to (laughs) be. I know it better not be <laughs> like this WandaVision cameo that still has me annoyed. Oh, yeah. That we never got. Yeah. Well, that one was more just like random stuff people had kind of put together. But I feel like someone with the show explicitly said, yes, there's a cameo in the fifth episode. Yeah. It was like the showrunner or something was like, there is someone on here yeah. <laughs> who was really great. Yeah. So, and yeah. And we've watched plenty of the speculation videos. So, <laughs> I hope it's one of them. I know. I'm personally rooting for Luke Cage, even though he has no reason to show up in the story at all. But <laughs> <laughs> I was say they can surprise you. Never know. Okay, go ahead. All right. All right. So I, I've not really been consuming any new media this week or anything like new worth recommending I guess you could say in that realm um I'm watching a show currently but I'm 
and I'm liking it so far, but I'm waiting to get a couple more episodes in before I feel like it's recommendation worthy. Uh-huh. But um, I feel like it would be a good time to kind of talk about the whole anti-trans bills that are coming into uh, effect across the nation. Specifically, I think in Arkansas is when it just passed about a week ago. And so I just kind of want to recommend um, some places to donate. There's a place called Intransitive that's really great. And I think specifically for Arkansas, it's their Instagram pages, Intransitive period AR. And their cash app is TransCoins and their Venmo is at Intransitive. So if you feel like you can donate, they're trying to fight this bill that was passed and hopefully stock up on support while the ACLU is suing on healthcare for trans kids and trans people. Um, And I think it's also, I think they may also have a North Carolina chapter of their profit. I'm not completely sure, but I would just go ahead and check out the ACLU's page or check out a page. I think he is a lawyer. I'm not sure. He think he works for the ACLU. His name is Chase Strangio. And he has all sorts of resources and articles and stuff like that on his page that will tell you where to go donate and to help fight. That is a great suggestion. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just, ugh, it's so, ugh, I hate the way politicians use groups of people, especially marginalized people as like Mm -hmm. trying to create some problem that doesn't exist. And then just, you know, making everything worse. It's just, it hurts my heart. And I don't go donate to those places and do all you can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's just Yeah, it's it's something that's been like kind of weighing on my mind lately. And just being part of that community. It's just, you know, the possibility that it's you know, would not be surprised if it starts happening in Florida. So just, you know, it, it's something at least like being able to see all these people fighting makes me feel better. And so yes. just donate if you can. Yes. Any bit helps. Thanks. If you would like to, con- uh, was there something I wanted to say before that? Anything about next week, maybe? Oh, yeah. Um, we can wait to after. Yeah, next week, actually, we're starting Persuasion, the book. Woo! Next book. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to start recording that in a week, and we are recording it all in a week. That's going to be six episodes of Persuasion, but we are going to be releasing it to you one every other week. So it'll be Twin yes. Peaks Persuasion, Twin Peaks Persuasion for 12 weeks or whatever, and yeah. then... Then it'll be the middle of summer. We'll come back with a check-in. <laughs> <laughs> After our break. Yeah. So we we if you're if you're just a David Lynch person and you're like, mm, I don't know, Jane Austen, jump on in to Persuasion with us. It'll be easy. Mm-hmm. You only have to read a certain amount every two weeks. Listen to the audiobook. Persuasion is not one of her funniest books it's definitely a lot Uh more introspective and quiet but it's a short book and it's a lot of people's favorite especially older people i don't want to say older but like more mature (laughs) women tend to like it more because it's about a more mature heroine and um she wrote it at the very end of her life so she was doing a lot of reflecting at that time too so anyway we had so much fun doing northanger abbey last time and we would love to have you join us for Persuasion. Yes, I'm super excited to get back into her books. I would say after reading Northanger Abbey, I'm more excited to start a Jane Austen book than I was before. So, yeah. and especially one that is like 
it feels, I feel like we're in a time period now where we're going to be more introspective going forward. And yeah. so it'll be a, an interesting read yeah. considering the times. And we're going to have Kristen who did Northern Ivory with us back for yes. some of those episodes, which I'm very excited to talk to her again. And oh, I also wanted to say, we'll give you our contact information one second. But if you, even though we're recording these early, still feel free to write into us about like what we're talking about that particular week. And we will either talk back to you directly or we will, you know, add it to the big check in that I'm sure we'll do because it'll be a lot of stuff we're covering. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a big summer check in. So. So happy to add to it. Yeah, please write us and. We would love to hear from you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and if you want to write to us, you <laughs> could email us at mannersmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness, on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. Um, and you could leave a one minute voicemail on our website, uh, mannersmadness.com. And I think that's where our, our uh, donate button is, correct? You yes. said earlier? Yes. Yeah, it's on the same website. So. Yes. If you feel so obliged, you can do two of, knock two birds with one stone. If you would like to contribute to our being able to record even better sound, because I know we've yes. had some sound issues on a lot of episodes. I, <laughs> so I apologize, but you know, I am not a sound expert. <laughs> <laughs> I am neither am I. I'm I've the basically been learning this as I've been doing the podcast. So when I was a little kid, though. <laughs> random story just for the very end of the podcast (laughs) when i was younger i did synchronized swimming (laughs) and we had to make you know it was to be like a three minute routine or whatever so we would we had one that was greece so we'd take a bunch of songs from greece and put them all together and i was an expert at you know putting together songs with a double tape cassette player (laughs) and Uh recording them so i feel like that somehow moved into my being able to edit <laughs> podcasts, but I was really good at that. <laughs> well, hopefully the skills will translate to our new sound equipment. <laughs> hopefully. Anyway, random side. This was an episode full of random asides. <laughs> <laughs> but it was perfect. Anyway, we hope to hear from you. And oh, next week we'll be doing the beginning of Persuasion. Yay, can't wait. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you. Good night. Bye. I hear a snorter. (laughs) Mabel. Hi, Mabel. You guys, you gotta be quiet if you're sitting up here. (laughs) She looks like she's looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) She's been a very observant of screens lately she's been watching a lot of tv for some reason (laughs) she just is watching if this was a video podcast y'all would see the cutest little face (laughs) popping up right now all right i'm gonna put you down run free